Talk 1110-993 WBT, the Pete Callender Show, hour number three. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the emails if you'd like to, or the uh, phone numbers rather, if you want to participate. The email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com. So before the news, and I'll just kind of reset this, that um, the North Carolina Supreme Court ruled that nurses can face legal charges for medical injuries. That strikes down a 90-year-old precedent. And it stems from a case out of Charlotte, Carolina's Medical Center, now Atrium, uh, where this three-year-old went in for a um, procedure for her heart condition. And part of that procedure included anesthesia. And... The attorney representing the family said, quote, her heart stopped as a result of the anesthesia. She ended up being without oxygen and blood to her brain for about 12 or 13 minutes. That left the child with permanent brain damage, cerebral palsy, and developmental delays. The lawyer in this case, representing the family and suing the hospital successfully, and apparently the doctors, uh, there were three of them, and the certified registered nurse anesthetist, the CRNA, John Edwards, former U.S. Senator, former vice presidential candidate, who apparently now is in Charlotte. Action against the nurse was blocked by a previous precedent, a case called Bird versus Marion General Hospital. That ruling protected nurses when working under a doctor's supervision. Okay, so not nurses in every instance, in every example, every procedure, but when you're working... And like in my mind, in this case, right, you are in the operating room and the doctor, I thought, I mean, I've, I've never been in an operating room, but I've seen a lot of TV shows that show me what happens in an operating room. And it's always like the nurse or sorry, the doctor is in charge and whatever she or he directs the nursing staff to do, they do because the doctor is in charge and because the doctor's in charge the doctor has to carry the malpractice insurance. That's always been my understanding of the way this works. But, you know, precedent. Who cares? John Edwards has a paycheck here. Um, This case was decided along a 3-2 majority. I don't know what the breakdown was, but it appears to be, again, a partisan line breakdown. Three Democrats, two uh, Republicans. It looks like also there were recusals. Or maybe there weren't recusals. Maybe the other two members hadn't... uh, Uh, heard the case. I don't know. But it was a 3-2 ruling. I read through the ruling. I do this so you don't have to. You're welcome. I'm a giver. So under, this is the dissent from Tamara uh, Barringer, uh, one of the Republican justices on the Supreme Court. She cites the presidential case of Byrd. And she says, under the Byrd case, plaintiffs cannot establish that a nurse acts negligently in collaborating on a treatment plan with a doctor. Plaintiffs contend that due to developments in medicine, Bird, that ruling, that precedent, 90 years, that is now obsolete and should be overruled. However, adhering to the principles of stare decisis, this court should not disturb settled precedent that clearly defines the liability of doctors and nurses when treating or diagnosing patients. 
Now, think in terms of like what this means. Now, not only does this affect every nurse going forward, but this also applies retroactively to the nurse in this case. The nurse anesthetist who was working under the direction of the doctors is now liable when before that nurse was protected by 90 years of precedent. Do you think that's fair? Now, I understand a child has been harmed. I, I totally understand that. And I, I, you know, I get that there is the emotional, the, the human aspect, the empathy aspect to the case. But when deciding the matter of the law, is it right that you just threw out this precedent for 90 years and said all of a sudden, no, you know what? You thought you had liability protection, but you actually don't because we just decided after the fact that you didn't. I don't find that to be comforting. If you want to look at why people don't have confidence in their institutions, this is another example of it. Justice Barringer said the legislature, which is not bound by stare decisis or this you know, precedential uh, def- uh, deference, the legislature could have at any time in the last 90 years enacted a different rule of liability to account for changes in the medical profession, but it did not. This is, again, another example of Democrats on the bench just rewriting law. They just rewrite it when they decide, I don't know, that it's worth it, that this child was harmed and they want to help the child, or they really dig John Edwards, he's so handsome. I don't know. Even the majority recognizes, she says, that under the current regulatory framework, nurses remain under the supervision of a licensed physician. Thus, even if a nurse's collaboration is negligent, the fact that the physician makes the ultimate care decision means that the nurse's negligence would not be the proximate cause of any injury. Right? Who makes the final determination? Because now what are you going to have? You're going to have defensive medicine being practiced by everyone in the operating room because now everybody's going to be freaking out that, well, if he tells me to do this and he's wrong and I do it, now I could be sued and I could be destitute because I don't have malpractice insurance, but now I guess all the nurses are going to have to go out and get malpractice insurance, right? Justice Barringer's dissent said that the majority has created a new form of liability involving uh, that involves making a policy judgment that's better suited for the legislative branch of government. Uh, by expanding nurse liability, it would require us to determine which nurses' training and responsibilities are so advanced or specialized as to warrant liability and which nurses, if any, remain not liable under the old precedent. Because if you're going to say, well, you know, you're a nurse anesthetist and that's a special kind of nurse. You, you had all this extra training, you had all this extra knowledge and whatever. Okay, well, are there other types of nurses that get that kind of advanced training, that get a comparable amount? Is it just the CRNAs? How do you limit it just to CRNAs? That's why the legislature should be making the law and not judges. Neither the stat, because the judges are looking at a specific case, at specific facts of a specific case. The legislature's role is to look at all of it as much as possible and create sort of a guiding principle that applies to all classes 
And, okay, maybe there are different education levels and training levels, and so then you would differentiate for that. You would have committee meetings. You would have experts come in. You would have nurses. You would have doctors. You would have insurance people. You would have hospital people. You would have input, stakeholder input. And the judges don't get that. Their only stakeholder input in this case was John Edwards, right? Okay, yes, they could look at their other law uh, on the books. They could go and review the other laws and the like. But you just kicked out 90 years of precedent. Neither the statutes nor the case law provide a clear guideline for making such a determination. Barringer says dramatically expanding liability requires the type of factor weighing and interest balancing that are quintessential policy determinations for the legislature to make and not the courts. Barringer should know she's a former state lawmaker. She says under this new standard, nurses may now need malpractice insurance. They damn well better get it. Thank you, John Edwards. I don't know how you're going to afford it. And maybe that's the big payoff here, right? Maybe the big payoff is the insurance companies that now get to underwrite a whole new class of business. What do I know, though? I'm just a radio host. Although I did at one point have a license to sell health and life insurance. So maybe I know a little bit about it. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talking about the Supreme Court ruling that came down in North Carolina, argued by John Edwards. It's a 3-2 ruling throughout 90 years of precedent and a law uh, that came out of a ruling Bird v. Marion General Hospital. And uh, the ruling essentially said the Bird case says that a nurse is not liable for injury caused by executing orders of physicians unless it is apparent that injury would result. So a nurse in a hospital in the discharge of their duties has to obey and diligently execute the orders of the physician or surgeon in charge of the patient. And they will not be held liable for injury resulting to the patient from executing such orders unless the orders are so obviously negligent as to lead any reasonably prudent person to anticipate that substantial injury would result to the patient therefrom. Okay? That's what the Bird case ruled. That unless it's obvious that you're about to harm somebody, you're following what the doctor is telling you to do. you got to follow their orders. Well, I mean, otherwise you can have, what, fights in the, uh, in the OR? I don't know. Here's a tweet, though, from, uh, this is from first, uh, Ultra Nuclear MAGA. Pete, I respectfully disagree. RN malpractice is under $500 a year. I have held it for 30 years of nursing. An RN who does not is negligent. The RN is the patient advocate. Their duty is to be the stopgap between the doctor and the patient questioning orders that may be wrong. Oh, wait, there's another tweet now, too. Uh, a BSN educated RN is the national standard. Two-year degree RN should not be in hospital settings. That's what magnet status is all about. And yes, before CRNAs and NPs pile on, their insurance will cost more because they work at a higher level of education and risk. Right. Well, there you go. So, yeah, you're going to pay more insurance, which I thought that's what I said. Uh, let me jump over here. This is Catherine. Welcome to the program. Hey, Catherine. 
Hi, thanks hey. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I I called the um, North Carolina Board of Nursing this morning because I heard your lead story on um, the news this morning was about this case, and um, it's quite upsetting for two reasons. The first being that, well, I should say I am a BSN RN and have been since 1980, and nurses have always been responsible for making sure that a doctor's order isn't going to harm a patient. Just like the pharmacists, we're their check and balance. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, you know, I mean, like, if somebody orders 60 milligrams of morphine for a patient, I'm not going to give it because it will kill them, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And so we've always been responsible. The other thing is about the malpractice insurance. I know some people have it, and I think nurse practitioners should, but... The average staff nurse doesn't have it, and what I heard a long time ago after I graduated from uh, Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago is that if um, a nurse has malpractice insurance, she's more likely to get sued, that the average staff nurse doesn't have much money, and the attorneys know that, so they don't go after her. Um. Those are the two main things I wanted to say. And I, as I said, I called the Board of Nursing today and um, asked them to clarify things because this, I don't know, it just, it just sounds incorrect. What did they? It's presented. What, what did they tell you? Well, I spoke to one person who's in charge of um, practice, malpractice and negligent nursing issues, mm-hmm. and she said that they don't re- they're don't. they aware of the ruling, they don't really get into the legal issues of it, but she agreed that nurses have always been responsible to make sure that a doctor's order isn't going to do any harm, and um, she didn't mention anything about the malpractice insurance, except that she also heard the same thing I have always heard that uh, it's better if you're a regular nurse not to get malpractice insurance because then you're not going to get sued. Huh. Yeah. Um, well, and different states are different. This was for North Carolina uh, yeah, practicing nurses. Yeah, North Carolina since 2000, mm-hmm. um, although I started in 1980 in Illinois. Gotcha. And I've practiced in Georgia as well. So do you have any questions? Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, do you do you carry insurance now or no, and this isn't going to change your no, opinion? No, no, and fortunately, I thought to myself, this is really great timing. Next week is my last week of work. Oh, well, <laughs> congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it is, uh, it is perfect timing for you. All right, thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the call. All right, thanks for the information. Um, whether or not a law is good or bad, wise or unwise, That is a question for the legislature, right? So whether or not you agree with the ruling and what it's aimed to do and say, yeah, these nurses should have to carry malpractice and yes, they should be held personally liable like doctors are, even if you agree with that, that's fine. My beef is with the lawyers in the robes. My beef is the fact that they are just divining new interpretations of the law. When the law clearly stated from 90 years ago in the Byrd decision that they were not liable. And if you want to change the rules now, okay. But you got to change them 
through the process. You don't get to just write them because you got three lawyers that got a wardrobe change. That's my, I mean, that's my beef here. It's with the, it's with this interpretation, the rejection of stare decisis, which I'm old enough to remember from like every single U.S. Supreme Court nomination fight. Democrats are usually all about the stare decisis, which was, by the way, surrogate for abortion. <laughs> but, now, but now that that's out the window, well, uh, who cares, right? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800. WBT 1110 going over the... Uh, North Carolina Supreme Court ruling, basically overturning another law, uh, 90-year-old law, that uh, essentially protected nurses uh, from liability for injury caused by executing orders of a physician unless it's apparent that injury would result. So you still have that level. There was always this level of recognition that if, you know, reasonable person as a nurse, you're trained and you see the doctor's like, all right, I'm going to jack them up on some drug. And you're like, whoa, 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 don't do that. That was always allowed. But if the doctor says, hey, give them this treatment or something, or go do this, and you don't have any reason to believe that that would severely injure the person, you would go ahead and do it. And then now you, well, now I mean, you would, were before you were protected because you were following the doctor's orders. You were doing what the doctor told you to do in the discharge of your duties. You must obey and diligently execute the orders of the physician or surgeon in charge of the patient, and you will not be held liable for injury resulting to the patient from executing such orders, unless such orders are so obviously negligent as to lead any reasonably prudent person to anticipate the substantial injury would result to the patient therefrom. The North Carolina Supreme court three, two majority decided no, no, Actually, uh, you can be personally liable, and um, even if you are following the doctor's orders, uh, and so even if you didn't think that there was a problem, uh, you're now personally liable too. And so there's no more protection, it seems. That's according to the case law. That's according to the the uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling that I read. Let me go over here to Mark. Welcome to the program, Mark. How are you? Hey, how hey. you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Good. So um, I agree with about 75% of what you said. Um, so go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back for that. Okay. I'm just being <laughs> sarcastic like you. but yeah. Oh, I'm fluent in sarcasm. Okay, good. Because my wife is. And she <laughs> just, you know. But anyhow, here's the deal. And this is what I need to know. So if I'm a doctor and I give the nurse, and that's, that is a hard word to say, yeah. um, orders, a through Z, and she goes into the operating room, and she follows the orders A through Z, just mm-hmm. like he said, but just 13 minutes of brain death, you know, her PO2s went to nothing or something. Um, I want to know if, she, yeah, she followed the orders, but she fell asleep or something. What mm-hmm. happened there? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Right, well, no, th- and that's the thing. If If there was some obvious reason for the nurse to recognize something had gone wrong right mm-hmm. but that's but, but that's not the carve out here there is there's no carve out being offered it's they're just saying it doesn't apply any longer that medicine has progressed 
beyond what it was back then 90 uh, years ago when, you know, maybe there was a little bit of uh, sexism going on here, too, like the woman shall listen to the male doctor or whatever, right. um, and no, that's I, it. I agree. The, yeah. the legislature should handle that. And, and you know what, maybe these um, anesthesiologist doctors need to, you know, get off the golf course and back into the OR. I don't know. Oh, that's... Oh, there you go, Mark. Earns the coveted rim shot. <laughs> All right, Mark, I appreciate the call. All right, All right man. Uh, yeah, look, again, my beef is the way it's done. If you're going to change the rules, then you go through the process, and you change the rules through the process. Uh, oh, hang on. I got another message here from Ultra Nuclear Mega, who says, Good grief. As a certified legal nurse consultant, not carrying malpractice is no-brainer to being sued or not. As a certified legal nurse consultant, not carrying malpractice is no... Oh, no barrier, sorry. No barrier to being sued or not. Everyone that came into contact with the plaintiff is sued. As depositions are done, the small fries are plucked out. What does small fries mean? Ultra-nuclear. What is that? What does the small fries mean? Does that mean people who don't have the money that you... you you pluck them out and you go after the ones with money. Is that what, is this in response to what Catherine was saying? I don't know. This is, this is the problem. It's the problem when I'm trying to, I'm trying to read the reactions that are coming in off of the Twitter machine and the phones. And okay. Bob says, Pete, common sense is not common anymore politically. That is the case in, well, a great many things actually, just not even politics. Uh, from the uh, from the ruling here, uh, it appears that the majority's newly created theory holds CRNAs liable if they negligently collaborate with their supervising physician in choosing a treatment plan. Left unanswered is what constitutes adequate collaboration or what happens when the physician and the CRNA disagree. The uncertainty created by the majority's new standard highlights why such policy decisions should be left to the legislature, not this court. The legislature, as the policymaking body of our government, has adopted and codified the holdings in BIRD in its statutes, as well as in its regulations, rather than supplanting them. Thus, the majority's holding not only overturns this court's precedent without sufficient cause, but also ignores the plain language of the statutes and regulations, and in doing so, three justices of this court substitute their judgment of the public welfare for that of the General Assembly. And they created instability in the medical profession by striking down 90 years of precedent without providing a discernible standard. Legal responsibility for treatment and diagnoses lies with the physician alone, not with nurses. As a result, the trial court correctly found that evidence of whether an alternative anesthetic treatment plan should have been used, it was not relevant to the liability of the defendant. No justification exists to depart from our prior holdings, especially when doing so involves policymaking beyond the authority of the court and creates more questions than it answers and is adopted by less than a majority of the court. Um, well, we shall see. Uh, I got an, a question here. Uh, does John Edwards have a side hustle selling malpractice insurance? Somebody should look into that. That's, <laughs> that's possible. Uh, I don't know why today's today's show is very focused on a lot of litigation stuff. So let me uh, here. I'll do this one for you. 
Uh, Charlotte Superior Court Judge Kimberly Best got involved in an altercation. According to the Sheriff's Office incident report, it resulted in Best pushing and shouting at a delivery driver. She's currently uh, currently running for Superior Court Judge. Oh, this is like one of those things in like People magazine. You know, stars, they're just like us. Do you shove and yell at your delivery drivers? Judges, they're just like us. Best is currently running for Superior Court Judge in Charlotte after having been appointed to that position by Governor Roy, uh, sorry, Ray Cooper in 2021. No charges were filed in the incident, but the events recorded in the incident report show that back in July, 9.20 a.m., a delivery truck partially blocked the entrance to the parking garage at the courthouse. Driving in in a white Porsche SUV, witnesses say Best tried to go around the truck but scraped the side of her vehicle, which was a white Porsche. She then exited her vehicle, and she and the delivery driver got into a shouting match for which law enforcement authorities were called. Uh, Strategic Officer Larry Goodman, a good person, was directing traffic around the truck at the time and called authorities uh, for backup when the altercation led to best pushing The driver in the report best admitted to police that she, quote, forced the delivery driver back. The incident report states that during the altercation, this according to the Carolina Journal, that the driver tried to take a photo of the judge's license plate. But the judge slapped the phone out of the driver's hand and pushed her. That is assault. Gunter told police that she was not going to file charges. The report shows that other witnesses were hesitant to offer statements on the incident as well. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why. Might that be considered, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, Privilege? Is this privilege? Judicial privilege? The driver got out of the SUV, started yelling at the driver. By the time I made it to the back of the truck, they were nose to nose. I stepped in, said the guard, or said the strategic officer. Sorry, I don't know what that is. Strategic officer. The SO. Uh, I stepped in between the two to separate them. They both continued to yell at one another. I told the driver she needed to leave, but she refused at first. The situation was OOC. Out of control. He didn't use the acronym. I just did. I was just making it hip for the kids is all. I'm a giver. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I want to do a story. I don't know if you guys paid much attention to what happened out in Buncombe County. Asheville. City of Asheville, Buncombe County. Where I used to work. I toiled away over a hot mic for almost nine years. And um, while I was there, our county manager went to federal prison. Wanda Green. Did you hear any of this story? It's amazing how little coverage this story got statewide. And look, I tried. I tried to push this story out. I wrote blog posts about it. It was, you know, tweeting all over the place and sending stuff out. For some reason, the massive level of corruption, embezzlement, theft that was occurring in Buncombe County just didn't seem to matter to a lot of media. It was weird. Oh, no, that's right. They're all Democrats. So I guess yeah, it didn't matter. That's why it didn't matter. 
Though the sordid saga of Wanda Green reached an apparent denouement or conclusion. I'm reading this. I don't use that word. I barely speak French. Daniel Walton, writing at Mountain Express, mountainx.com, it's the local weekly alternative magazine up there, like the old creative loafing here. Um, So the sordid saga of Wanda Green reached an apparent conclusion in August of 2019 when the former Buncombe County manager got sentenced to seven years in federal prison on charges of program fraud, getting kickbacks from developers, and making a false tax return. But like many good Hollywood tales, the story has gotten a sequel. All right, I'll get to the details here in a second. But first, just let me, I'm just going to paint in some broad strokes here, okay? Procurement cards, you know, like essentially gift cards at the county level. And certain people had them and they would use them. And then they would buy all sorts of stuff for themselves. And then Wanda was in charge of reviewing them all. And so when she went to Target and went on a spending spree, uh, then, you know, nobody would ever know about it. She also was scheming with her son, who worked for the county, her assistant county manager, as well as the uh, one of the other county leaders, officials. I forget what his title was, but he was in charge of like doing uh, sort of like the construction projects and stuff. And all three of them conspired in a kickback scheme. With builders, wait, one particular, he went to prison too. And they would go take all these trips and stuff. They would, they got emails and talking about like the hot tubs and stuff. And does it have a pool? And, and then she would go, uh, they went on a quote, uh, fact finding mission. You know, the big uh, horse thing that they do now, the Tryon Equestrian Center. Oh yeah, th- that's involved in this too, even though it's kind of far away from Buncombe County, but Ellen Frost was the county commissioner, also a Democrat, and she liked horses. She had some horses, so she was very, very interested in the the big horse show. Uh, you remember, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who owned the Bobcat, uh, Bob Johnson. His daughter was into that, and so this was like this big equestrian thing they were working on. They brought this big event to the state, and uh, Ellen Frost wanted to advertise at the equestrian center for the airport or something. And oh, lo and behold, uh, the money that went over there that got them access to go to the horse show never actually went through the airport's budget. So it turned out to be just like Buncombe County taxpayers coughing up the money so Ellen Frost and uh, uh, Wanda Green, the county manager, could go to the horse show together. And then they took a trip to upstate New York where Ellen had a uh, an old horse that – uh, they had uh, retired to some farm up there, and she missed it. She wanted to see it. And so we got to pay for that, too, as a Buncombe County taxpayer. We got to send them up there so she could visit her old horse. I mean, they said it was on a fact-finding mission to check out some uh, some facilities that the horses have to go through, like the quarantine systems or whatever, the inoculation tents and stuff. Yeah, but in actuality, she was, this was the scandal. They They stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from Buncombe County taxpayers. On July 6th, county officials launched a new civil action against Wanda Green, the former county manager. The complaint also names her son, Michael Green, and his wife, Selena Green. It alleges that the former official, Wanda, hid hundreds of thousands of dollars with her family members to avoid paying restitution to Buncombe County. I believe Noel Tin, local attorney Noel Tin, I think he's the attorney for Wanda Green in this case. 
Um, According to a uh, document filed by Philip Anderson and Ron Payne, the attorneys retained by the county in this matter, Wanda Green began transferring large sums to her son and daughter-in-law shortly after learning she was under federal investigation. The transfers total at least $350,000. Anderson, by the way, she's been in prison since October 2019. They say that after she gave the money to her son and her daughter-in-law and gave them power of attorney, and she did this upon entry into prison. And then the couple deposited somewhere north of a hundred grand to her in their accounts. Michael Green, the business intelligence manager with Buncombe County, was himself sentenced in August 2016. He got six months of prison. By the way, this was one of the cases that Dale Falwell, North Carolina State Treasurer, cited when he made the push a couple years ago to strip embezzlers of their state-funded, taxpayer-funded pensions. You should not be able to embezzle from taxpayers and then get a free ride when you get out of prison. She basically said she has no more money. She was ordered to pay restitution. She said she had no money. Oh, but she did. She was funneling it to her kid again while she was declaring contrition at sentencing. By the way, she her sentence got reduced. She's now scheduled for release at the end of March. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.